Revolutionary Talk for Revolutionary Times. Liberty Talk FM. What's up, everybody? This is Whitson Ross here at the Sporting Edge. It's our favorite day of the week. We get to bring you some sports, some news, a little bit of entertainment. So we're very excited to bring it to you now. I'm apologizing for the audio ahead of time. This is will be one of the last weeks that me and Wits are not in studio together. But hey, we got some good news for you guys who listen to the show. Me and Wits are actually college graduates now. We are done with school. We passed. I got my 65 on my last final, which was all I needed to pass the course. And I know that you know when you were a senior in college, all you needed to do was pass. So, Xander, me and you are now going into the working world. We're college graduates, and we're bringing sports to these lovely, lovely people. I know you want to jump into the topic of Jay Cutler signing on to Fox, being one of their announcers, broadcasters right now. kind of caught me off guard. So I was kind of curious what you were thinking and how you felt about the whole thing. Yeah, what's up, B? Uh, so I was a little caught off guard because, you know, I thought Jay Cutler could have had a chance with a contending team with a pretty good defense. That might have wanted to take a shot at him, but, you know, apparently the market for Jay Cutler is, is exactly what, you know, I thought of him as a player, uh, you know, for the past five or six years. He's not very good. Uh, a lot of talent. He's a gunslinger, but, you know what, I, the market just isn't that big for him, and I think he'll be decent in the booth. I mean, I definitely will offer an interesting take being on the number two team behind uh, Joe Buck and Troy Aikman. So, you know what, I, I honestly am a little surprised, but, you know, I was never the biggest fan, and obviously the other 31 teams out there aren't either. But a little more in the NFL, Raj, Ruben Foster, some news coming out of 49ers camp that he might miss the entire 2017 season with a shoulder injury. Now, we talked about how this was a pretty interesting pick. This is a guy who was a top-five talent and had a little pre-draft trouble, possibly some injury concerns that I didn't really hear about personally, but now it's coming out that this shoulder injury may sideline him for the entire year. And Shanahan came out and said, you know, it's not something that would hurt him long-term, but you know, if you're going to sit out an entire season, I don't think that that warrants you know, the comment that it might not hurt him long-term. I mean, it, it, could, it could hurt him long-term. Yeah, I think it stunts his uh, growth within the league. I think that this is a huge, huge blow because I thought this was one of the best picks of the entire draft. They got him at the 31st pick in the draft. I mean, that's incredible. I was 
ranting last week how I wish the Packers would just stay put and drafted him. But knowing this injury now, which I'm a little surprised wasn't brought up a little bit more, and hey, maybe there was an inside scoop, and that's why managers were waiting and passing on him for so long. But I think it does stunt his growth. I don't really know what Kyle Shanahan is alluding to when he says it's not going to hurt him long term. I think this takes now the progress that we're going to want to see from him is going to take longer, and he won't be an impact player, which we are expecting right away or even within the next three years, depending on if the shoulder injury actually does have him out for the entirety of this season. So definitely interesting. They did draft Solomon Thomas, so it'll be good to see him grow in the position. I know they play two different positions, but he'll be an awesome D end, and I think he'll his growth is going to be more instrumental to this team than Reuben Foster's was anyway. So definitely interesting news coming out of 49ers camp wits. Yeah, you know, and I don't think the 49ers, you know, the next season is not a make or break for them. But, you know, like you said, I mean, being a rookie year in the NFL, there's so much to learn, and um, not only off the field, but I think you get the most experience from playing. And You know, this is – it's just not good. I mean, you had injury concerns. You had the diluted urine sample. You had the incident with the hospital worker. I mean, you know, those are, you know, basically the reasons that Reuben Foster stopped to the 31st overall pick. When some people said he might have been the best – the best player in the draft, um, you know, even including Miles Garrett. But you know what? Time will tell. Uh, I think Kyle Shanahan is a good coach, and I'm excited to see what he does with this 49ers team. I'm really interested about the quarterback situation, not really the defense, but like you said, Solomon Thomas, great pick. You know, he I think he's probably a top three talent in that draft. You know, looking at Garrett, and I don't think I don't think Trubisky is a top three talent, but you know. That's who the Bears got. We're sticking with him. But enough about the NFL. We get the NBA playoffs to talk about Roz. And Celtics Wizards getting awfully chippy out there. Uh, we had an incident with, with Kelly Oubre and Kelly Olenek, the Battle of the Kellys. The Battle of the Kellys. So uh, we got 2-1 in this series now. Washington defense finally decided to show up, and they really beat the crap out of the Celtics in Game 3. But, you know, where is this series going from here, East? I think the Celtics are going to end up pulling this one out. I think they they took a nice 2-0 lead. I don't really understand what's going on in terms of their first quarter. It's now the third straight game. They've been down by double digits exiting the first quarter. So that's beyond bizarre. I know they were able to pull out the last, the first two, not so much the last one. They're like the Cubs in the first inning. They are, and that's another issue we're going to address later in the show, the Cubs and their first run. I don't run. think we can solve that one. No, I don't believe so either, but... Like I've been saying, the Celtics, are they're interesting. Maybe they're going to pick it up. Um, I know that Isaiah Thomas had a tooth problem in the third game, didn't actually come out in the third quarter uh, to start because he was back in the locker room getting his teeth reinserted into his mouth. I don't know if you heard about that gruesome thing. He took an elbow from Otto Porter Jr. in game one and lost his one of his front teeth and then lost the one next to it as well. Took six hours of surgery to get that back in the mouth. But back to the game purposes and not so much about his teeth, I think the Celtics are going to be okay. They're going to win this series. They showed me a lot more than I was expecting because I know initially I came in saying the Wizards were going to win this. I love John Wall, and last night John Wall was just absolutely electric which is amazing, and you see every single night from him. So do I think it's close? Yeah, maybe we get six games out of this. And a game seven, I mean, anything's up in the air, then I think the Wizards could pull that out. But I think it ends in six. I think the Wizards do fight hard, and we're going to see more of this first co- like first quarter blunder from the Boston Celtics. But other than that, love how the Celtics are playing. I think they're playing with passion, emotion, and fire. That Kelly Kelly fight, two kind of irrelevant players to me. I could be wrong if you're, <laughs> you're a big 
Boston or big Washington fan, but I love the little Kelly Kelly fight. I think it was unnecessary on Obrey's part to go charging at him. Obviously, you're going to get tossed out of the game, Wits, if you do that. I think if we had to give a new segment, the little take it easy of the week moment, I say we give it to Kelly Obrey because, Xander, there's times when you set that hard screen on me and I just want to come up and punch you as well, but I realize it's all in the heat of the game. That wasn't personal. I wasn't attacking your mother. You weren't attacking my mother. It was just a screen. It was a hard screen. He fell right into it. He wasn't even, like, punched in the face like if it were a fight. So he needs to take it easy, Wits. We need to take it easy on their, on the Kelly Kelly thing and focus more on the important part of the NBA game. Uh, Isaiah Thomas, John yeah, Wall. Honestly, it, it, it kind of felt like we were watching Oprah. You know, yeah. you get a technical and you get a technical <laughs> and everybody gets a technical. And, uh, yeah, it, it, was a, it was unnecessary. And like you said, you got you to gotta calm down. He did the moment. No reason to get ejected there. I mean, you're just kind of – you're kind of putting a, you know, making it a lot tougher for your team. I mean, one less guy in the rotation, more minutes. But you're just throwing out a couple quick stats. ESPN, DPI, Celtics have a 76% chance to win this series. So, you know, obviously that, that that's 3-1. to one. Pretty pretty big number there. And, you know, what? I, I think the Celtics are playing a lot better. Overall, not in the first quarter, obviously, but then they play, played against the Bulls. Um, it kind of took them a while to get going, but – you know, we're kind of seeing that's just their style of play, you know, whether it be the first quarter or the series in general. But if Washington needs, is going to win this series, Bradley Beal needs to show up. He really hasn't been there to help out John Wall in these first three games. So we'll see where it goes from here, but it'll definitely be interesting. This is going to be a better series than Golden State or Cleveland series. But that's all the time we have here at the Sporting Edge. We will be back after the break with more talk. We're going to break down more of the playoff series. We've also got Kentucky Derby coming up and Major League Baseball. So we'll catch you after the break, everybody. What's up, what's up, what's up, everybody? We are back. We started getting a little heated about the NBA playoffs and the postseason. I just wanted to finish up something you kind of alluded to at the end of the last segment. Bradley Beal has been a no-show, and that's – $80 million or more that needs to really be on the court helping John Wall. John Wall, traditionally not the best shooter, but he's been shooting a little bit more, and it's been a little bit more impressive in terms of the field goal percentage rising tad bit. But Beal, he definitely needs to show up in terms of getting this team back on track. He needs to put up maybe 30 points, 25 points a game. His three-point shooting is absolutely I mean, electric. Like four, game, game three was 4 of 12 uh, and had three assists, so basically wasn't even there. I mean, he's supposed to be, you know, one of our top three scorers, and you got, got to do a little more. No, absolutely. But let's go to a team that has way too many scorers at this point. We're going to go back to our our Warriors, Golden State Warriors, who kind of looks like they're going to have a little bit of a cakewalk headed to the NBA Finals. I don't know. We'll get address the Tony Parker thing here in a second. But the Warriors playing in Utah where they don't want to be. I don't know if you heard about this, Xander, one of the more ridiculous things ever. They're more concerned about their nightlife in Utah than they are about the game on the court. Obviously, Draymond Green kind of stepped in, the leader that he is, and said, that's all foo-foo. We don't care. We we don't care who we play. We just want to win and move on. So that's kind of nice. But that kind of hurt my perception of Utah, Xander. I mean, I thought me and you were going to go out there and do a show one day, but it just does not seem like me and you are going to make it out there. The nightlife doesn't sound very great and their team's going to be irrelevant in about a week because they're going to get swept by this Warriors team. So give me, give me some insight, maybe talk up Utah a little bit since they've been just royally bashed over the last week and a half. Give me some insight. Is this a, is this a sweep? I don't really have any insight on Utah. It definitely is not on my top 30 places to visit in the United <laughs> States. So 
that, that's what I think about Utah. But series-wise, I mean, I don't really have much to say. I could try to analyze what's going on, but, I mean, Golden State is just ten times better of a team than Utah. And I thought Utah might have been able to give them a decent fight. Um, and obviously we're only two games in, but uh, this has been, I don't want to say hard to watch, but it, it hasn't been interesting. I mean, I'd much rather put on the Celtics, Wizards, or the Rockets, Spurs, um, than watch this Utah team. Golden State is just, you know, head and shoulders above them. And you know what? That they're, they're a great team. I mean, I can't fault the Jazz for, for just making the playoffs and running into Golden State. Yeah, no, there's really not a fault there. And you know what? The Jazz are a growing team. I know Gordon Hayward had 33 points the other night. Gobert had 16 rebounds. I mean, that team's awesome, but Kevin Durant slapped us in the face. I mean, I called him out. I said, what role has he really had this postseason? And were they gelling and getting along and everything? But Kevin Durant came out and had a superior game, and they, I think that helped propel them. I know it was a closer game. They won 116 to 104, but Kevin Durant looked fantastic. Curry was still putting up his numbers. I mean, if this team is a well-oiled machine with Kevin Durant, they're unstoppable, although... I do like the way the Cavs look, Xander. I think the Cavs have been more than impressive in the way they're dismantling this Toronto Raptors offense, defense, the entire team as a whole. I mean, their coach has to be losing their mind at this point. And LeBron is just an absolute freak of nature. He's, I think, the greatest basketball player of all time. That's an argument for another day and another breakdown, so we don't need to get into that one, Wits. But I think they're on a collision course right now, and it's going to be absolutely epic when we get to Cavs versus the Warriors. Yeah, you know, I don't see any team other than the Cavs coming out of the East. I mean, Boston, I think, is going to win that series, but I don't really think they're any match. I mean, playoff LeBron is one of the most rare and unique species in the history of sports. I mean, the guy has been to, I think, it's six NBA Finals now, which I know he plays in the East, but that's that's a pretty ridiculous, ridiculous statistic, you know, that a guy would make it to the highest level um, in a league six years in a row. I know it's a little easier in basketball than I'd say football per se or baseball, but still it's, it's super impressive. And the fact that he beat Golden State last year, I think makes it even more interesting because if Golden State would have, you know, swept the floor with the Cavs like they did two years ago and now they added Kevin Durant, I would have said, you know, here comes another second place finish, but this will be even a taller task for LeBron that, you know, if, if he does this, I will start listening to the greatest player of all time talk. I mean, I think you can make a case for him. I don't personally think he is, but you know what? This is going to be interesting. I, I, I don't want to give up my Spurs, though, yet. I know they lost Tony Parker, and I know they might not even get past Houston, but I made the pick at the start. I'm going to stick with it. I do think Kawhi Leonard is probably the most valuable player to his team in the NBA, and that really showed in Game 2. I mean, they got they got run out of the gym in Game 1, and they came back into the same thing to the Rockets in Game 2. So very interesting series so far. I expected, you know, have a lot of close games, but the beard was atrocious in game two. 13 points. I mean, the guy averages basically a triple-double and, you know, couldn't do anything. And I think that had a lot to do with Kawhi Leonard, who is probably the best two-way player in the NBA. No, absolutely. And you, like I said, you brought it up. Kawhi Leonard is the MVP of that team. And James Harden, who only scored that 13 points, was 3 of 17 from the field. And a better stat on that is those three field goals he made is when Kawhi wasn't guarding him. Kawhi didn't allow him to make a single shot against him. Kawhi is an absolute MVP. But what gets me worried, Xander, about this Spurs team moving forward, and who knows if, I mean, Tony Parker's been playing very well this postseason, but ESPN, their headline article is Kawhi Leonard played like Michael Jordan in Game 2. He's going to need to play even better than Michael Jordan in Game 3. And 
that's kind of a tall task to ask. I mean, people can't even say LeBron plays like Michael Jordan. How are you going to ask Kawhi Leonard to be better than Michael Jordan in a game three? So if that's really the concern, then this Rockets team is in pretty good shape because I don't believe Kawhi is going to exceed the legend in MJ. So I think it's going to be a good series. I think it's going to go seven games now, Xander. And I for I hope the Spurs win. I like the Spurs matchup versus Golden State more than I would the Rockets versus Golden State because I think James Harden will run into a brick wall going up against uh, Golden State. There's just nobody else on that team, I think, that can match up with the Warriors. So I'm, I'm pulling for the Spurs with you. I really hope that they come out of this. And hey, if Kawhi wins this series, just another argument for why he could be the MVP this year. I mean, Kawhi is in that conversation as well with LeBron, Harden, and Westbrook. And I think it's, we're just going to see it grow and grow. I think Kawhi is the best two-way player in the league. I think LeBron is exceptional on defense but and amazing on offense. But I think Kawhi just has it down pat, especially on the defensive end of the floor. So we'll see how it goes. I'm going to save Spurs in seven. It'll have a nice little fun end of the series. I know you like that. So the Spurs definitely interesting, and I hope they're meeting uh, Golden State at the end. Yeah, you know, the Spurs... And Kawhi Leonard. I think the thing I love about Kawhi is he's so efficient too. I mean, thirteen of sixteen from the floor in game two. I mean, just both both sides of his game are so finely tuned, um, and he's such a great guy to watch. So that's that's what I think will be interesting. If I think the Spurs move on to play the Warriors, um, obviously I, I think you have to guard Kevin Durant because I think Kevin Durant is definitely the best player on that Golden State team. So. It, it might be a little, you know, rewind of the clock. You know, Steph Curry might be the focal point of that offense in the Western Conference Finals if that matchup happens. Because I think, you know, obviously, I said it in any sport, defense, the best defense beats the best offense more more times than not. But, I mean, this Golden State team is, I think, a team like we've almost never seen put together. So it'll be super interesting. But, you know, I think Kevin Durant kind of squashed our, our you know, thoughts about worry, you know, worrying if this team would gel or not, you know, with him in the playoffs after being out for so long. So I think they're on a crash course. I think Cleveland's on a crash course to get to the finals again. And next two weeks should be very interesting. No, absolutely. I agree. And we're going to tell you where to put your money because that's the kind of show we are. And we'll, uh, I would tell you to invest now in the Cavs, wherever they're sitting at. I think they are well behind the Warriors. The Warriors have to be the absolute favorite. Put some money on the Cavs. Last year, you would have made a good dollar because they were absolute underdogs coming into the NBA Finals. So start early, put a little money there. And just for fun, maybe you find like a $5 bill on the ground, maybe throw it on the Wizards. I mean, those odds have to be astronomical, and you'd make millions of dollars, I would assume, right? You can make millions of dollars betting. (laughs) I don't think you make millions of a $5 bet. I would say don't even touch the Wizards because they have absolutely no chance. If you find that $5 bill, you should probably put it on the Spurs um, because if they do happen to beat the Warriors, then – think they could beat the Cavs so that's where my money's going well if you're ignoring my advice on taking the Wizards that's totally fine I think we've beat the nail into the dead horse and that's a little bit of a segue <laughs> into what we're bringing up with because we're going to tell investors where to go now after the break we're going to bring up a lot of the Kentucky Derby we've got all the horses that me and Wits like me and Wits are horse people and in fact we're going to do a show this summer from a racetrack Hopefully we're winning money so we sound positive on the show. If not, then you'll hear our anger. Me and Xander will probably bicker here and back and forth a little bit. But that's all the time we have this segment, everybody. This is the Sporting Edge on LibertyTalk.fm. Please check us out on Facebook. Throw us a like, a follow, a review. Even message us. Me and Xander like talking to people. We're pretty social. So reach out to us. We absolutely welcome everything. This is the Sporting Edge, everybody. We'll be back after the break. What's up, everybody? Bubba here. It's finally here. The long-awaited Bubba Report. 
bringing you news from all the trading floors across the globe. We've got Scott Chalady, the cow guy, as seen on CNBC, Fox, and Bloomberg. We've got Keith Bliss, CNBC, Fox, and a floor trader at the New York Stock Exchange. We've got the Badger, who writes the hot topics in the political news. We've got myself putting together my own unique indexes that will help you give you a better idea of what's going on in the market. All you need to do to get a hold of the Bubba Report is go to thebubbashow.org and sign up for the newsletter, or you can email me direct at bubba at thebubbashow.org. We want you to have this report because we've got over 150 years of experience talking about markets, getting ready for the trading, and puts you in the best position to have successful. So email me at bubba at thebubbashow.org to get a copy of your report or go right to the website, thebubbashow.org. Make sure you get it. It's a must-have for every investor and trader. The Bubba Report. What's up, what's up, what's up, everybody? We are back. It is my favorite time of the year because horse racing really comes into full swing. It's like the Masters kind of to me. It's just golf is back in session when the Masters starts, and horse betting is absolutely back once the Kentucky Derby hits. And Xander, me and you have spent many, many days, many hours at the OTBs, at the track, spending our money on horses. And I think we are educated enough to bring our Sporting Edge listeners a little bit of knowledge and investment queries on when it comes to the uh, Kentucky Derby. So, Xander, who's the horse we're liking this weekend? Yeah, well, you know, before I, before I get to the horse that we like, kind of give, give a little background info, Most two most exciting minutes in sports, uh, $2 million purse, guaranteed, got one and a quarter mile race, the race starts today at 5.34 Eastern, I don't know if it'll be exactly on the dot, but NBC has the broadcast. They're going to start coverage at 2.30, so you should tune in. Definitely interesting. Um, probably the biggest horse race in the world. Um, you look at all the Triple Crown races. But getting to the picks, um, I like kind of the eight horse coming in at 15-1 to 1 right now. I think this is really interesting because, you know, it's going to be a wet track. So, obviously, you know, all the analysis and all the experts, you know, when a track is wet, it's kind of tough to – Take all the information that you have and, you know, put that into what you think will happen in the race because anything can happen on a wet track. Um, you talk about rain in any sport, kind of, it just affects the way that the game is played. And in this case, it affects the way the horses run. Uh, basically, why I like eight horse fence, obviously, I'm not putting my money on the chalk. Never like doing that. And you know what? Hence is a closer. That's my favorite part about watching a horse race is, you know, Watching a horse that relaxes early and comes up strong at the end. Obviously, you know, the favorite is always dreaming. He's sitting at 9-2 to two right now, uh, so I would not put my money on him. But I do have a three-horse trifecta of Hence, 15-1, Half Ritz, the 16-horse at 39-1, to one, and always dreaming the favorite, the five-horse, at 9-2. to two. So that's my trifecta. I'm also going to put a little money on hence to win, and I'll probably you know throw an exacta box on there because I'm kind of a degenerate. So <laughs> that's what that's what I think of the race so far, but it, it's going to be awfully exciting. Yeah, no, and so last year I was actually fortunate enough to go to the Kentucky Derby. I drove down on my way to Daytona, which is where I'll be next week recording the show. Another state, everybody. Uh, the Derby I feel is a place. It's a lot of fun, a lot of drinking involved. A lot of just kind of standing around and not actually seeing the horses. So if I ever went back to the Derby, I would have to go back in one of those boxes with Tom Brady. I think he just needs to send me the invite and I'll be there. So my little take on the Kentucky Derby, though, a quick little story. So it was raining last year and it, the sun 
miraculously just popped out for the final race. So maybe that'll happen again. It's kind of one of those like God-given gift moments type things. I don't know. He just, he wanted to watch the race. So the sun came out. And so I'm standing there. It's downpouring. And you meet all kinds of people at the Kentucky Derby. You got the nice people, the mean people, just basically everywhere you go in the world, you run into different kinds of people. But the Derby, it's like amplified. So it's pouring. And I see this tarp kind of flailing around and this man holding the tarp and underneath it, just a bunch of women and children and everything. So I go over to help hold the tarp as well as keep myself dry. And while we're holding the tarp, this man looks over to me and my my buddy who's holding and helping it. He's like, nope, you have to pay eight bucks to stand under this tarp. Yeah, I go, well, what? like what? I'm trying to help you out. These people could get wet and everything. This tarp's going to fly away. The wind was absolutely absurd. And he goes, no, eight bucks. I'm like, all right, well, I don't have $8. And he's like, all right, you got to get under out of my tarp. I let it go. This tarp flies onto the track, which is embarrassing enough that I'm standing near it. I'm like, wow. Thank, uh, thank God there was no race going on at that point. But I was mortified. I ran away from the situation and felt terrible for those kids and, and the women who were just getting soaked by the rain. So that's my little weird derby moment. I did have success last year at the Derby Wits. I picked the winner and the second place correctly. So I made a little money were that weekend. Both, were they both four to five? No, Nyquist was three to one. And then the exaggerator was eight to one. So a little value bet there. So I made a little bit of money that I brought down to Daytona with me. But this year, I'm very excited to pick my horse because I know I'm going to be right because I know I'm right about everything. I'm picking Classic Empire. First off, fantastic name for a horse. He's five to one currently. And this, cor- this horse is a colt. He's a little bit of a bay color. And he's born in the heart of Kentucky, where this race will be taking place. The home field advantage for the horse is known. Doesn't have to travel very far. I mean, I'm assuming a lot of these horses are actually born in the Kentucky region, but I love this story for the for a classic empire. I'm going to ride him till the end. I think he's going to win. I'm putting all my money there. Not sure what trifecta box, exact box stuff I'm going to do yet. Haven't looked too in-depth into that. I do like that you can bet online, so Sporting Edge people just head over to KentuckyDerby.com and bet online with them. Put your bet in with Classic Empire, and if you do bet with him, I do take 10% off the top, so just send me a check through the mail. We'll give you the address through our website, but I'm going to go Classic Empire. I think he's going to be completely fine. I think the rain does chop things up, and I think that does make it interesting when it comes to the favorites and all the other horses in the race. I think Empire's going to really kind of stand strong, go through this mud, and take home the Kentucky Derby and start his quest for the Triple Crown. Yeah, you know, definitely an interesting pick. I know that you're not going to be right because I'm going to pick the winner. I'm, you know, pretty good picking horses. Uh, done it, been doing it a long time, but I thought we'd give the listeners just kind of a rundown of the horses and the updated odds as we speak. Um, you know, we've got the favorite, always dreaming, down to four to one uh, from nine to two, like we just talked about. Classic Empire at six to one. We got McCracken at five to one, uh, and Irish War Cry. War Cry, the 17 horse at 6 to 1. So those are your, your big four, top four. Everyone else is at least 15 to 1, like my horse, 8 horse hence. And then rounding out <laughs> the bottom, we've got Untrapped at 75 to 1. So if you're you know, if you're looking for a big big payday, that could be the way to go. Yeah, like just like the Wizards thing I mentioned, how about you throw a $5 bill on Untrapped, 72 to 1? I mean, that's pretty incredible odds to get right there. And you never know with these things. I don't know if anybody's watched Entourage, but one of the main characters bought a car off a horse that was favorite or underdog at 72 to 1. So you never know with these things. And like Xander's been preaching and I've been preaching, the track's going to be wet. So untrapped might be the secret horse in this race. Yeah, any anything can happen on the wet track. But 
Uh, I think we've given you all the insight that we have in the Kentucky Derby, so I think we got to go to baseball, Roz, because we've, we've been neglecting baseball for the past month on the show. Yeah. And I think we need to give the listeners an updated you know, synopsis of what we're thinking. We've had a lot of big injuries the past couple of weeks, mainly in the form of starting pitching. I mean, Noah, Noah Syndergaard, that whole situation looked really bad for the Mets, uh, refusing the MRI about his bicep and then going out his next start and tearing his lat muscle. They don't even know how long he's going to be out, but I would say it's in the, the three-month range. I mean, it's not going to be quick. Whenever you tear a muscle, any part of your body, that's a long rehab. Got Corey, Corey Kluber on a 10-day DL, who should be coming back sooner than not, but that's a big injury. He's been pitching like crap this year. Cole Hamels, strained oblique, supposed to be out six to eight weeks. That's a, a huge blow for a Texas team that is in last in the division right now. They are not playing well. And Cole Hamels, has really been, you know, Mr. Consistent the past the past 10 years. I mean, he hasn't made under 30 starts in seven years, and that's pretty big for a starting pitcher, especially one as good as Cole Hamels. And then also you got Felix the Cat on the Mariners. He got injured a couple weeks ago, so I'm hoping that he comes back. But he also was not pitching very well. Could be due to old age. I mean, the guy's been at the top of the game for so long. He's due for a slowdown eventually, but he's going to be big for the Seattle team because – I'm not going to say they're in the thick of things right now. They're six games back. Uh, the, the Houston team uh, behind Dallas Keuchel, uh, they're playing extremely good baseball. And Dallas Keuchel, I think you got to put him as a Cy Young contender again. I mean, he had a brutal year last year, but now he looks like he's found his 2015 form. No, absolutely. And, hey, I told you the Astros were my pick to come out of the uh, American League to face the Cubs. But you forgot a big DL miss right there. And that big DL miss is – the Cubs starting pitching in the first inning. They're completely on the DL there. They they don't they don't, they don't, haven't showed up in a while, so they're gonna get that figured out. That probably is a sixty day DL type thing. Hopefully, it's worked out by July and they'll all come back and be ready to pitch in the first inning of games. But that's been a real issue, minus the fact that they keep winning these games. I mean, this Philly series, for example, is another, a perfect example. Along with the Red Sox, they just they find a way to come back. Their bats are so good, and Chris Bryant is back on the MVP tour. He's batting 321 right now. I know the home run numbers aren't quite there yet. They're going to come, trust me. And then his RBIs are right around pace with the top of the league. So Chris Bryant looks fantastic. That Rizzo-Bryant dynamic has just been unstoppable and kind of the main reason for them being able to fight back after their pitchers just are atrocious after the first inning. I mean, I went and saw Lackey live. It was one of the more pitiful things I've ever seen. Quick seven runs he gave up, and it's been tough to watch. I mean, they all just look like they – they don't know what they're doing out there. Like, there was no warm-up involved. Maybe they were saving the first inning for their warm-ups. They want to give teams a chance down the road. But it's been brutal, Xander, and I don't know where it goes from here. Yeah, you know, Cubs, Cubs pitching, I think we'll eventually find its form. Um, I think another guy who needs to pick it up is Kyle Schwarber. He, you know, he's been hitting leadoff, but he's right around the Mendoza line. Has really not been doing well, but we will break it down more for you when we get back. So if you miss a show, you know where to find us, libertytalk.fm. And we'll see you after the break, everyone. And we are back here at the Sporting Edge, Roz. We were talking about the Cubs a little bit, but I thought we could give everybody kind of a breakdown in the power rankings. Um, we've had a lot of movement in the past week. The Cincinnati Reds had a brutal week after they started out strong, and our Chicago White Sox are moving up. The three Garcias in the outfield, uh, what is it, Luris, Avisail, and one more. Do you know the third one? 
I, I don't know the third Garcia, but they, that could be like a it's little sitcom. Watch, watching them re- run out, it's Garcia, Garcia, Garcia. It's, it's pretty <laughs> funny. But, Roz, we look at, uh, you know, the top of the rankings right now. ESPN has the Washington Nationals at the number one spot, and I, I can't fault them for that. I mean, the Nationals are firing on all cylinders. Uh, Trey Turner has been back, and he's been unbelievable, hitting for the cycle, almost doing it twice. Anthony Rendon. He's a man possessed right now. But, you know, as well as they're playing, they did take a huge loss with Adam Eaton. Adam Eaton broke his ankle about a week ago, and now Michael Taylor is going to have to fill in for him. Uh, I kind of worry about, you know, the impact of this down the road because Adam Eaton is probably what every team wants their leadoff hitter to be. He's a guy who gets on base. He can steal bases. He's got power, and he's pretty damn good in the field. So, you know what, I, I think this is a big loss for the Nationals, but it, it hasn't really seemed to affect them yet. And if Michael Taylor can really step up, then this national team, I think, should be good to go. Yeah, I mean, I'm going to gloat here in a second, but I want to bring up also Ryan Zimmerman has been playing out of his mind. He's back from the dead, that's, it seems like. True. This team is, like you said, hitting on all cylinders. And that Anthony Rendon game where he had 10 RBIs in a game was absurd. But that happens when you play a Mets team that's struggling and Noah Syndergaard, who was hurt, they gave up 23 runs that day. So that was pretty interesting, pretty cool to see. But my quick little gloat, Xander, is one last segment I told you that I picked the Astros to go to the World Series, and you can go back to all the shows we've done and you would hear that. I also told you I thought the Nationals were going to have the best record at the end of the season in the NL, and I think we're on pace for that right now. They look the best. They're top of the power rankings. But I do still have the Cubs beating them in the postseason. There's some kind of water they drink in D.C. where they can't win in the postseason. I mean, just look at the Washington Capitals right now. They're blowing it to the uh, Pittsburgh yeah, Pittsburgh Penguins. So who knows what's going to happen there. But I really like this Nationals team. My boy Harper is playing out of his mind. Couldn't be happier about that. Rooting for his MVP campaign as well as Chris Bryant's. So I think it'll be an interesting series. I think it'll be very exciting when they eventually do come to Wrigley this season and the Cubs also go out there. I think that'll be a fun little series matchup just in between the season to keep things going. So I'm all on board with the Nationals and the Cubs. I think the NL is super powerful right now. Their hitting is unbelievable. And hey, maybe they'll win the All-Star game this year and uh, give the Cubs a home field advantage for the World Series. Yeah, maybe they will. Uh, yeah, this Nationals team I mean, is it's head and shoulders above the rest of the NL East right now. I mean, my Mets are they're struggling to stay alive. I mean, they've got Cespedes, Syndergaard, Lucas Duda, uh, Stephen Max on the DL right now, and it, it's it's ugly. It's ugly over in New York, but a team that is doing very well in New York is the Yankees right now. I mean, Aaron Judge, I think you got to give him an early case for Rookie of the Year. I mean, the guy is a physical specimen. I think his, his measurements are six seven two eighty, um, and he's just been hitting more home runs than you can count. I mean, I think he's up to 13 right now. Um, he's been unbelievable. And we talked about Eric Dames uh, last week, but, I mean, this guy kind of took took this week in the major leagues by storm. I mean, this Yankees team, ESPN's got, got him at fourth right now. They're 15-8. and eight. Uh, They're playing some very good baseball. So, you know, if Aaron Judge can even keep up half of this pace, the Yankees are going to be a team uh, to worry about. No, absolutely. And I think it's interesting the Yankees are doing it with this young talent. I mean, we grew up watching the Yankees purchase their talent from A-Rod to Mark Teixeira and everything. But with Sanchez, who will be coming back soon, Judge, this team is awesome to watch right now. I don't really know how it's happening. I mean, I didn't think much of their starting pitching rotation, but they're proving us wrong. Like you said, they're 15-8. and eight, And I think it'd be really, really great for the sport to see – either the Yankees or the Red Sox play 
the Nationals or Cubs, specifically the Cubs and World Series. I think those ratings would be off the chart for the World Series, and that's something they need. Obviously, the Cubs helped out with that last year, but in years past prior to that, the ratings have been down. I think this is going to be an awesome finish to the season, and we're only at the beginning, not even close to the All-Star break yet, but this Yankees team's definitely been fun to watch. Yeah, and then looking at the next team on the list, the Cleveland Indians, a team that I said would eventually turn it around after their rough start. Um, their rotation has really gotten it together. Top five in ERA the past two weeks after being dead last in the first two weeks of the season. Cody Allen has struck out, you know, 20 out of the last 40 batters he's faced. And the AL Central, I, I think by the end of the season, even by midseason, this could be a bit of a cakewalk. I mean, the Chicago White Sox are, are playing out of their minds right now, and I really like what they're doing. But Minnesota, you know, we, we broke them down a lot last week with Corey. I really don't think they have the starting pitching to take them where they need to go. I mean, Irvin Santana had one of the greatest first months, uh, like Corey said, in Twins history, but the odds of him keeping that up are very slim. But I think this Cleveland team eventually emerges as the top contender, as they should be, in this AL Central, and they also have, I think, who the best pitcher in the major league, Andrew Miller, who is continuing his dominance. I mean, every time he goes out there, he makes he makes these guys look like they're in the minor leagues. Absolutely, he's been absolutely exceptional. I think this Cleveland team also going to have a great case to making it back to the World Series. You know who's awesome to watch? Lindor. He's got a nice little pop on his bat. He can hit the ball out of the ballpark. He doesn't look like the biggest guy. You wouldn't expect him to be hitting these home runs, but he is. He's an awesome hitter, awesome fielder. I love seeing this commercial that ESPN runs like all the time, this, the shortstop era that we're in right now, the amazing shortstops around the league. we got Crawford in San Francisco, Russell, Lindor, uh, Trevor Story in Colorado. There's so many I'm leaving off the list right now, but that's all for the matter of time. Corey, Corey Seager is my guy. Corey Seager is fantastic for the Dodgers. I mean, this is an awesome era for baseball. It is super exciting, and once everything kind of dies down, I know we're going to get the U.S. Open for golf coming up a little bit, but I'm very excited to talk baseball with everybody for the long term because this season is going to be amazing. I think baseball, where it's at, is awesome. And we haven't even brought up Mike Trout yet today and the incredible season he's been having. I mean, people are comparing his season starts – from the long term of his career, and they're saying this is the best start he has ever had to a season. I mean, Mike Trout almost is like LeBron James of Major League Baseball because he could win MVP literally every year. And this guy's a freak. He needs to be traded, obviously, and we've said that enough on this show. But how are you feeling about Mike Trout? And are the Angels even in the talks of getting better in the near future? Well, I mean, they're playing okay right now. But it's going to be tough to get past Houston, I think, in the AL West. I mean, the Angels are right at 500. And I, they get a lot of old men over there. Uh, you know, Albert Pujols. Um, trying to think of the shortstop. I can't think of his name right now. But, you know, the pitching is going to be the key to their success. I mean, Garrett Richards coming back this year after being injured. That's really what's going to determine the season. I know Mike Trout is awesome, but, you know, he's only, he's only one man. He can only hit three or four times a game. And he can't do it all for this Angels team. But I think it's interesting you compare him to LeBron because I, I love the comparison. He's so good that you kind of eventually start to take him for granted. I mean, I think LeBron, if he won the MVP every year, I, I don't think you can make a case for him. I think just the fact that he's been so good and at the top of the game for so long, you kind of put him on the back burner and wait for new people to come up and kind of take that role, which is exactly how Mike, Mike Trout's career has gone. I mean, he's been the best player in the league, I think, since he stepped foot on a major league diamond. And, you know, he could he could have won five MVPs his first five years. And I think, you know, nobody could have counted him out for that. It was tough to it was tough against Miguel Cabrera 
when he won the Triple Crown, I, I did think Mike Trout should have won that year. But, I mean, this Angels team is hanging around right now, which is, you know, at this point in the season, you can't lose, you can't win in the first month of the season. You can only lose. So, you know, the Angels team is hanging around. Uh, but looking at some other divisions, I think we get very interesting in the AL East. We got the Yankees, the Orioles, and the Red Sox near the top. And Baltimore has been playing some very good baseball, Rod. Uh, 17 and 10 right now. Um, the pitching uh, hasn't even been that good. I mean, Kevin Gaussman, opening day starter, sitting with a 7 750 ERA. Ubaldo Jimenez, 743. I mean, I think this team is going to get better. Got Zach Britton, one of the best closers in the league, doing his thing still. So it'll be interesting to see where we go from here. But that's all the time we have here at the Sporting Edge, everyone. If you missed the show, you know where to find us, LibertyTalk.fm. And make sure you tune in to Kentucky Derby today, 5.30 Central Time. And we'll catch you next week, everybody. Bye-bye. Revolutionary talk for revolutionary times. Liberty Talk FM.